2: Welcome to Spinning Back Click where each week here at MMA Junkie we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On today's episode we got a lot to unpack. Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou are going to box in early March. It's official. Yet another bag has not been tumbled. Sean O'Malley, he's aiming for the top spot. Get this though, in all of the sporting world and fresh off the press, we have two huge matchups in the lightweight division. That were announced yesterday, we'll tackle that. Hello everyone, Gorgeous George here on the con, and look at the distinguished panel we have for you today, today, today. We got goes from MMA Junkie Radio, he's in Las Vegas, ready to go. Danny Segura is back, the Ablemos MMA host joins us from Miami, and our international superstar reporter makes her return, it's Hanun. Cold coffee is on the ones and twos. But before we get started, if you could uh, kindly hit that like button, let's just say I wouldn't be mad at you. That'll jolt the algorithm or something like that. Hit that like button, please. All right, panel, here we go. Francis Ngannou has signed on to box Anthony Joshua on March 8th in Saudi Arabia. Again, boxing, not MMA. MMA. There's lots to unpack here, but I first want to know, what do you guys think of the Predator going back to boxing, keeping in mind that he's not uh, fought in MMA in almost two years? All right, uh, Fada, take it away. You get the first take.
1: I love it. Uh, I mean, considering the amount of momentum he built after that fight with Tyson Fury, a close fight, a fight a lot of people felt like he won. Uh, Of course he has to go back to boxing. I don't think there's too much out there – for him in MMA especially under the PFL banner now Francis looked great against Tyson Fury. He showed everyone that uh, he's for real and that he didn't uh, fumble the bag like everybody else thought. And here's the thing. I mean, the fact that he can draw a name like Anthony Joshua after a a loss or a controversial loss shows how much momentum he has built after that Tyson Fury fight. He was in discussions uh, to fight either Wilder or Anthony Joshua. Those aren't bad options for somebody who's only boxed once professionally in his life. So. Uh, I think uh, the I, the fact that he can draw such a big fight shows uh, the the momentum and, and the impact that Francis Ngannou had after that fight with Tyson Fury. So I love it, and I think it's absolutely the right move for him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Goes. what's your reaction, man? You like boxing, so you might actually be, be warm to this one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends on whose eyes you're looking at the situation from, right? If you look at it through Francis Ngannou's eyes, I think it's an opportunity you cannot pass up. It's another massive payday against a top-level boxer. uh, Anthony Joshua, I mean, dude, that guy's one of the top guys, and he's a little bit more technical, I think, than Tyson Fury, so we got to watch out there. But in my opinion, it all comes at a good time because when you really think about it, if you're Francis Ngannou, all right, uh, if you get that rematch and you look silly, uh, chances are you may not get another rematch, right? So I think... What he needs to do is go out there and just kind of have a good performance, make it to the end, because Anthony Joshua, remember, like, this is not catching anybody by surprise anymore. We all know Francis Ngannou can be pretty dangerous in boxing. So I think you got to make it to the end, and now you preserve that third fight, possibly a rematch with Tyson Fury, right? A makeup. I'm sure it probably bugs Tyson Fury that a lot of people think that Francis Ngannou won that matchup, right? It's a massive payday. I think he absolutely had to take it. If you look at it from the PFL's eyes, well, what do we do here? I think it's great in the sense that it puts a lot of eyes onto uh, Francis Ngannou. It builds that name for eventually him to step into that smart cage. Now, what do you have when he gets there, though? If he loses again, which let's be honest here, a lot of people didn't really look at that first fight as a loss. A lot of people kind of looked at it as a win, even though he did lose the fight. A lot of people thought he'd won the fight. Uh, but if you were to take a bad loss against Joshua or just even the 0-2, he's a guy who carries the baddest man on the planet title, right? Maybe you lose a little bit of that mystique a little bit by the time he gets to the PFL, but I think it's all forgiven once once we actually see him in a mixed martial arts matchup. So I think it's kind of a win-win for both sides, and I'm just excited to see his name attached again to another big payday. You don't know what that does for our sport, for other fighters, it just kind of gives them new life. So I think this is very, very tremendous for Francis Ngannou.
2: And it's all happening so quick, goes. We had to go through his injury. We had to go through the breakup with the UFC. And now, yeah, the momentum's just incredible. All right, Danny Segura, man. What do you think about this announcement? Another bag has been secured, and uh he's fighting one of the top boxers in the world. This guy's not messing around, man. These aren't Jabronis he's throwing down
0: against. I'm I'm a bit split on this one. I'm i I'm a combat sports fan, so I, I enjoy boxing. But I'm primarily an MMA fan. That's why you know I'm I'm working in the MMA industry, and I want to see Francis Ngannou, who may or may not be the baddest man on the planet. It depends where where you rank him, uh, him and John Jones. But I, I want to see him in MMA, even if it if it's against some lesser known names in the PFL, Ryan Bader, whatever it may be. It might not be John Jones. That one seems to have sailed. But we can still get him against some good names and and see him in his his best craft, which is mixed martial arts. So I'm a little bummed that he's stepped now further into the boxing world. Um, But that's not to say I won't enjoy a fight with Anthony Joshua. I'm still excited for this fight. And I think it's actually very intriguing, especially how he looked against Tyson Fury. It's given us some hope that he might be able to do the damn thing. And all of a sudden, against Anthony Joshua, I'm not saying he's a favorite. And I don't think he will be. And I don't think he is right now. But you can't discard his chances after just going uh, to distance with Tyson Fury and knocking him down. Sure, you can make some arguments here and there that Tyson Fury maybe didn't take the fight as seriously as he should have. But even an out-of-shape Tyson Fury would mop up 99.9% of the heavyweights out there. So just the fact that he knocked him down, went to distance, and in many, people, many people's eyes, he won the fight. I think he's got a shot against Joshua. And something that I, I think it's very interesting is all of a sudden, I've seen the fan uh perception change now i've seen fans rally behind francis ngannou and you can see it now in the comments as well people are, are picking francis and ngannou to knock out joshua and rooting for him whereas going against tyson fury the sentiment was oh he's just doing it for the money he knows he's going to lose it's a default loss uh this is this is a freak show this is not a real competition this is just a paycheck and all of a sudden i feel like the vibe around francis ngannou and the idea of him boxing at an elite level has drastically changed. So I'm I'm in. I, uh, the part of me of the MMA fan is a little bit sad, but all in all, I'm pretty happy that this fight's happening. It's making the heavyweight division in boxing far more exciting. And, and who knows? Maybe if he picks up a win, maybe we can see uh, him fighting for a title. I, I don't know where this might lead to. But Francis Nganu's story, just completely remarkable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only 37 years old,
2: Fada, and... In heavyweights, like, that's that's still a prime, you know? So do you think uh, we'll still see him come back to MMA? Because what if he beats Anthony Joshua? These bags they're handing out in Saudi Arabia are huge. Uh, do you think we'll see him back in MMA?
1: I think it depends how he looks against Anthony Joshua. If he puts up a competitive fight, win, lose, or draw... I think he sticks to boxing. If he gets like wiped out or knocked out quick earlier or anything like that, then I don't know what's going to be out there because then people are going to point to his performance against Tyson Fury and call it a fluke, this, this, and that. So I think if he just puts on a, a competitive performance against Anthony Joshua, I think it's good enough for him to stick around in boxing because who knows what happens with Fury's next fight. If Fury loses, maybe they could do the rematch. Uh, but if he gets wiped out by Anthony Joshua, that's when I think he would probably uh return to mma so it all depends on his performance uh and if he looks good against uh, anthony or not
2: Mm -hmm. and goes do you like the way things have been going so far uh regardless of whether it's been boxing or mma is this anything you envisioned or uh
3: could have even predicted i guess no because i was one of those guys that initially just thought he had no chance against tyson fury and he shut me up and realistically i mean I look at this fight with Anthony Joshua and and you want to almost say the same thing. I mean, these are high level boxers, right? But uh, Francis has just kind of shown us that everything he does, he takes seriously. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting matchup. I I don't know what happens as far as MMA, because you would think if he does put up a great performance with Joshua, even if he wins, you almost want to starve that boxing community and make them want to make you come back to boxing like hold out a little bit but then if you go to mma and you lose there for some reason maybe you lose some of that mystique that that people like that wouldn't transfer over to boxing so it's kind of a dangerous game to play but i'll tell you what he probably loses less sleep with all the money he's already made (laughs) and the money that's gonna come i don't know that it's a heartbreak decision anymore
2: yeah danny one last thing here before we move on um who does he come back to when he does come back to the pfl Hannon fajita is there? current champion Fabrice Verdum threw his name in the hat as a you know a, a former UFC champion who might have more clout but he's also like 46 years old yeah. he just took a loss to Junior DeSantos in a fight that they had on another promotion and then you got other guys that are outside of the UFC throwing their names in the hat including like a Ryan Bader game Kasanganai as well and a few others but who do you think is the leading favorite when he does come back
0: I really like the Hennem Ferreira uh, fight. Uh, he's a scary dude. He might not be promotionally very well known, but like that to me, as far as just action in a matchup, uh, I think it's a great fight for Francis Ngannou, a great fight for the fans. But uh, part of me thinks that Francis Ngannou is not going to come back to MMA. I, I really Ooh. do see him now more as a role, as an ambassador for the PFL, kind of teasing us that he's going to fight there. But I just don't see him fighting for the PFL, um, not to be disrespectful towards MMA and the PFL, who I've you know, i covered and I have a lot of appreciation for. But um, I said this on the announcement, and, and again, no disrespect, but it kind of feels like he almost graduated from MMA. He almost graduated from the PFL. Um, even the UFC, like, you know, look at Conor McGregor. He had to share his revenue of the pay-per-view for the Floyd Mayweather boxing fight with the UFC, whereas, for instance, Ngann was his own man. So why is he going to go back to the PFL to fight people that are, you know, way less famous than he is Wear PFL branding shorts, you know, not being able to have all the sponsors and, you know, go through harder training, you know, go into a sport where there's more of a probability for, for, for him to lose unexpectedly, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You just go down the line, all the money's at boxing right now. And if he just does okay against Anthony Joshua the Tyson Fury fight is out there. The Wilder fight is out there. Um, and I would suspect he would do OK, given how he did against Tyson Fury. So I am i don't think we even see him in MMA again. But you're saying uh, why go to MMA if he
2: beats Joshua, right? Because if he beats Joshua, I think that's where he has to go back to.
0: Well, no, not really. I think if he has a similar performance against Tyson Fury, you know, if he fights Joshua in the sense that a lot of people think he wins or where it's a moral victory, I think people would still be interested in watching him versus Wilder or rematch against Fury, especially if Fury loses against Usyk. I mean, that's going to be very interesting. So I think even in defeat, you will have to see how some other things play out. But but I think the options are there. I think the options yeah. are there. Um, look, Anthony Joshua lost several times, you know, a couple of times against Yusick right? Andrew Ruiz. And he's still out here doing big, big fights. He can just get a tune-up fight here and there. And, and then he's back in the mix. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Fajita
2: just because they're matching up. Well, I mean, Fajita could get better too. They did bring those guys into the PFL smart cage, champion versus champion. But... If Francis Ngannou is a wild card, so who knows? All right, look, chat room, you can participate whether you're on Facebook or YouTube and include a comment or a question for the panel. We will take the ones that are the most respectful, the better ones, right? The better ones that we can generate some uh, discussion here. So anyway, Josh Wallace, for example, says, who can Ngannou fight in the NFL? I think we just kind of addressed that. There's the Fajita matchup. And look, we all know there's 2 million at stake here. We spoke to Kasanganai the other day and he was just saying, hey, it's all about the warrior spirit. I'm not even concerned about the money. And it sounded pretty truthful. Uh, Joey in the chat says, Battle of the Bodybuilders. Yeah, man, both them guys are definitely put together, Joshua and Nganu. Josh Wallace says, Tyson had a jab that should have caused problems for Nganu. And Joshua's style is much better. Is a much better matchup for Nganu. Uh, let's see here. Joey says biggest loser here is the V the PFL. Let's be honest. I'm not so sure about that just yet. Um, I think, you know, I think his name has been elevated. His superstardom has been elevated. So I think when he comes back, only then we can assess just how big of a <laughs> mistake they may or may not have had in all this. Anyway, uh, keep them coming. I will definitely try and include as many in the show as possible. We're going to move on to the second topic here. UFC Bantamweight champion, Sean O'Malley. He told Megan Levy in an interview that he wants to be the biggest star in sports, not just in combat sports. That's his quote, the biggest star in sports, not just combat sports. And that he'll be, quote again, as big as Conor, unquote, with two beautiful performances in 2024. What are your guys' thoughts here? You can go ahead and laugh like I did, or maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? How attainable are these lofty goals?
3: Uh, goals? Goes, you're up, dog. Look, man, I think you have to love him for saying it. What he's already done has been very, very impressive. But let's first start with MMA, right? His biggest competition there, Conor McGregor, guys like John Jones, Nate Diaz. I think what Nate and Connor primarily possess that Sean doesn't is their popularity isn't really attached to winning or losing, right? They can lose a fight and arguably become even more popular. People cheer for these. Like if you look at their records, their records aren't the greatest records in all of mixed martial arts, but they're so good. Connor's good with the mic. He's able to generate heat with his opponent. Nate Diaz, uh, just his persona, the way he lives, people gravitate to him. I don't know that Sean has that just yet. His success is attached to winning. If he suffered a loss or two, I don't know that that he would keep that momentum that he currently has. I think he would still be a star, but we're talking about superstar, megastar, right? That's who these other guys are. That's who people who've never even seen them fight know their name. I think that's what Sean wants to try and achieve. And I think right now, the way things are lined up, he's just attached to winning and losing too much. Uh, He needs to get a little bit better on the mic, I think. I think he needs to put himself out there a little bit more if he even wants to come close to that. But even then, that's kind of a hard thing to catch right now.
2: And he's facing a guy he's lost to next. So, yeah, it complicates things. But, man, getting past Jan and getting past Sterling is not something I would have imagined. So sometimes it's hard to doubt the guy. Danny Segura, what do you think, man? Did he just go overboard? I mean, you got McGregor canelo alvarez he's considered combat sports can he get bigger than them
0: just can even, you know just staying within combat sports no i don't i don't think so the the sport is bigger so he's got that going for him he's a champion he is a very popular name and i love the confidence i I gotta say like um that's the way he should think so um i'm all in, in favor of O'Malley saying those kinds of things but if we're gonna keep it 100 like i don't think any ufc fighter at least for a long time is gonna match Conor McGregor did I mean the guy boxed Floyd Mayweather when he was still an active fighter it was his last professional fight it just speaks volumes to how big he is um and at this stage you know he's what 27 28 at that point Conor McGregor was already you know huge so I think he's going to be a big name I think he's going to continue growing I think he's going to be one of the biggest names in the sport for quite some time but it's going to be within the sport it's going to be within MMA I mean Conor McGregor doesn't even come close to being as famous as someone like a Lionel Messi and you know that we're talking about general sports right so imagine that right so I think he maybe he's got his scale a bit off but um all in all yeah do I see him becoming a, a bigger star and a bigger draw sure but I don't think he's going to top Conor
2: yeah and I was going to exactly say the same thing uh pivoting over to Fada That's just combat force. Now you got Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, LeBron James. I mean, come on, Sean O'Malley. I think he went a bit overboard. You in agreement here, Pada, or is he on the same planet as us?
1: No, I agree. But I, like Danny said, you know, I, I, I like his confidence and I don't think it's far-fetched to think that he could become one of the bigger stars in, in combat sports in, in general, even if you include boxing. Winning solves everything and he won the title in spectacular fashion. He's got yep. the the look, the the flashy hair, the colors, all that stuff. Yeah, I agree with Goz a little bit. He does perhaps need to work a little bit more on his mic skills. I don't think he necessarily plans for press conferences like a lot of those guys do. He just seems to kind of Go with the flow, so he's not really going to add a character in that, and I can respect that. He doesn't really need to put on a persona. The younger audience I think someone mentioned it in the comment section. The younger audience seemed to be drawn to Sean O'Malley, and that's kind of like uh, a market that he has over a lot of the other fighters in terms of the USC fighters. So he does seem to attract the younger audience, and I think he has the, the potential to get there. I think one thing though, activity he probably needs to get a little bit more active. I know he took a year off between. Uh, the fight, or almost a year off between the fight with Thierryan and Aldermen Sering, He just needs to get a little bit more active. So I think activity will help Sean. Activity, continuing to put on shows. He is a very exciting fighter. So if he continues to be active, wins in spectacular fashion, who's to say why not? A year can change a lot. So if he can log into title defenses, at least win in spectacular fashion, it'll help him. Because don't forget, Israel Adesanya and his rise to becoming one of the bigger draws in the company was his activity as a champion. So if Sean can mimic that, then I think it'll help him out a lot.
2: Fada, who do you think would be a good one? Let's say he gets past Cheeto. Do you go for the trilogy if it's a great fight? Or is there another name that can help him take bigger steps? Who Who's kind of popular at bandweight, I guess, that can do that?
1: I think people would riot if if they ended up doing their hate trilogy with Cheeto. But uh, I think... Um, the name, I mean, it, it's kind so of Huda hard to tell, right? If
2: he beats Marab or... Marab's yeah, I,
1: I th- yeah, I think that's probably it. Uh, but right now, I, I see where kind of Sean O'Malley is coming from sometimes when he says that... I mean, Corey Sanhagen is, is an amazing fighter, but yeah. in terms of pay-per-view draw, I can see why he would have wanted that Marlon Verified because it's two birds, one stone for him trying to avenge the loss. And at the same time, Marlon is pretty popular and he does have... Uh, his fan base. So maybe Omar Nurmagomedov, if he uh, if he gets the, the fight that he wants, if he gets that contender fight that he wants. But uh, right now, I don't see maybe Henry Cejudo in terms of if you match name and accomplishments, if Cejudo can get past Murad, that's probably it.
2: Right, yeah. The, the chat, they're tripping a little bit. Fitness Ninja says, I applaud his confidence, but the Sugar Show gimmick is played out. And uh, let's see here. Joey. In the chat says, O'Malley can't talk to save his life. Why is he popular? You know, Alpin Sterling recently said he was expecting a bigger paycheck from pay-per-views, you know, from the O'Malley fight. He said it wasn't that big. He doesn't think he's a star just yet. John Perez in the chat says, Sean has a younger audience that doesn't buy pay-per-views. I don't think he can achieve that type of level with his persona. You guys, agree comment. with that one, that, that takes, somebody said something about the younger audience. You think maybe that has something to do with it? You know them,
3: they'd be pirating. Yeah, no, I think that's a great comment. Um, look, dude, what Sean O'Malley said, even within mixed martial arts, is a little out there. But outside of that bubble, it's absolutely insane. I am glad we have the panel that we have today. Not because I dislike the others, but because you guys all watch football, soccer. For those of you who have never been to a game overseas, primarily South America, you walk into that stadium and you think you walked into a war and then you realize, oh, they're playing soccer. Like, dude, it is absolutely nuts. Lionel Messi is a god, okay? Conor McGregor, he's our biggest star. Did you not see him talking to Cristiano Ronaldo? Ronaldo gave zero shits what was going <laughs> on, okay? That's how like high level some of these guys are. Uh, Danny. I, don't, I can't remember what documentary it was, but when Messi came over to Miami, I literally saw somebody hand a camera to David Beckham to take a picture of him <laughs> with Messi. Do you know how outrageous that is? Dude, come on. Like, you cannot ma- – and that's just – that's soccer. Like, I mean, even guys like LeBron, you know, like Tom Brady. Like, you're not going to come anywhere near that, I don't think. You'd have to do something ridiculous outside of mixed martial arts. Uh, somebody in the chat was mentioning that young crowd. Maybe if you cross over into the the video games or YouTube or something, but even then I still don't think you come anywhere near the level of some of these guys.
2: V diamond in the chat says O'Malley isn't even a bigger name than Jake Paul right now. And I guess we do have to include him in combat sports. Yeah, I, I, I think he's right. How about you guys?
0: Yeah, I think he's right. If you ask a general audience, Jake Paul probably rings uh, a lot more than O'Malley. So, again, I love the confidence. But, you know, at this point in time, I think he's, what, like 28, 29 years old. Um, sure, he's going to keep growing his stardom. But at this stage, like McGregor was, you know, huge, right? Like, So we got to taper a little bit the, the expectations. Yeah, I think we spent enough
2: time on this topic because i just don't see it i don't see a path to even combat sports at least it would take two years of going two and oh starching people in the first round and it all you know it would have to just be like big name after big name and maybe then i'll even entertain it but these mcgregor and alvarez canelo are tremendous in combat sports i don't even want to talk about the other the other sports all right Uh, a couple middleweights they made news this week Israel Adesanya, guys, he's getting jacked. He's lifting, could uh, move to light heavyweight, be in his not-so-distant future. Who knows? And then Hamza, Hamza Shemayev, excuse me, he recently revealed he was down and out with an unknown illness. That, along with that hand injury that he suffered at UFC 294, it's prevented him from training. That's why there's no fight booking. That's why there's no momentum. Remember, the winner was supposed to get a title shot or something like that when he beat uh, Kamaru Usman. So, he did state he's coming for the belt. I guess he's on the road to recovery. So, I got to ask you guys, what's more likely to happen? Adesanya reclaims his middleweight title or Shemaev
0: wins the middleweight title for the first time? Danny Segura, get it going. I'm going to go with Shemaev. I do think he's going to be champion eventually at some point in his career. That, to me, is almost a guarantee. I think he's really, really good. Uh, as far as Adesanya, that last performance left a lot to be desired. And you wonder if, if his prime is over and if you wonder if, if that was a turning in his career. And it very well could be. Um, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Also, the middleweight division got a lot more competitive. Um, I don't know. I feel like at this point in time, I have more faith in Shemaev than I do in Adesanya. That's not to say that Adesanya can't do it. I do think he's probably got a shorter path than Shemaev just because he's a former champion, a big name. Um, he's already headlined, you know, how many pay-per-views, right? So UFC trusts him in in taking the baton and being a headliner for their big events. So, um, yeah, this is a tough one. But I'm going to go Shemaev. I think that's the, the the safe bet here. So, sorry, Adesanya. All right. How about you,
2: goes? Who do you think? Uh, can get their hands on gold first. Israel by reclaiming and let's not forget, he's got heat with Duplessis, he's got heat with Strickland, so it's sellable, right? I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. not into that many immediate rematches, but I gotta give Due, you know, the guys had five title defenses and he can sell. And then on the other side, you got Shamaya, who kind of got some sort of a promise and I think the UFC's kind of been trying to find ways to, you know, get him him
3: involved somewhere. What do you think, man? I think it's interesting. You know, the, the points that you bring up, I feel like uh, Israel Adesanya would probably want to fight Duplessis before Sean Strickland, even though he's already lost to Sean Strickland. And I'm sure he's a competitor, wants to get that back. But you could tell there's the, just that, that anger when it comes to DDP. So that's also an avenue. Like Danny said, both guys have shorter paths to the title. Uh, but I just seeing... DDP with gold around his waist, I think would be enough to get Israel Adesanya to jump out of his chair and, and he would be back soon with Hamza. You know, I still have a few questions here and there and what he's going through seems like it it really sucks. Um, He's a guy that I think just wants to get in there as fast as possible as where Israel Adesanya, I think this time off is actually probably helping him, not just healing up his body, but just his mind. I think he, he needs to get into a better place before he does make that return. Seeing as he's already been there been there and done that, I think Adesanya maybe uh, would have that that closer chance of doing that. I think I'm going to go with him, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was Hamza. All right. It's Splitsville
2: over here with the panel and the chat. Scott Christian says, never bet against Adesanya. Fitness Gen- uh, Ninja says, I'd like to see some new blood. Adesanya had his run already. So, Sal DiAmato, Oh, excuse me. Farah you're the tiebreaker here. You lean with Goz, Adesanya, or with Danny Segura with, uh, he says, uh, uh, Hamzat?
1: I'm going to have to go with Hamza because anyone who's ever listened to anything I've ever said knows that I've been kind of uh, a big fan of Hamzat from day one. And I've always seen championship potential in him. So uh, the fact that his fight with Usman, yes, he fought a welterweight, a former welterweight champion at middleweight, but that was kind of dubbed as a number one contender fight. Uh, he couldn't make it to the fight. Now we get DDP and Strickland, which was also a great fight. I mean, DDP was the original number one contender, but uh, the fact that he was kind of touted as a title challenger uh, makes me pick him. With Adesanya, still a little bit of question marks uh, coming off of that loss to Strickland. But if you look at the rankings, I mean, Adesanya has beaten everybody below him outside of DDP, Whitaker, Canineer, Vittori, Paul Costa. I think is the ranking, so he's kind of cleared out the majority of the middleweight. So him being back in a title picture is not a hard uh, thing to imagine. And like Goh said, that rivalry with DDP. So if Duplessis does beat uh, Strickland, I wouldn't be surprised if Duplessis says, I want uh, Adesanya. So timing is everything. You know, Hamzad has also, seems like, you know, he put up those pictures and deleted them later. seems like he's been dealing with health issues. Uh, He came into the USC and it was like a storm. He was super active and we haven't had that activity from him recently, where Adesanya, on the other hand, Uh, Says he's going to take time off. I mean, it's only been since September he's fought. It seems like it's been forever because, uh, you know, the way he framed it. But I feel like we're going to get Adesanya back soon. And if he does come back to USC 300, that isn't even a layoff. He's just so active all the time. So not crazy to think it would be Adesanya, as go said. But but I'm going to go with Hamza just because I've been a big believer of Shemayev and his championship potential.
2: All right, there you have it goes. Don't hope your heart's not breaking, broken on that one. They went against you. But here's, I got some good news. Fight Science in the chat says all those MMA gloves in the background are sweet. So he's giving you props on your set there. Love, says man. he's jealous. Uh, Fada, you got a big fan in Fitness Ninja. He loves it when you're on Spinning Back Click. And, folks, we do this every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I know we took a couple weeks where we did the Tuesday thing. But, you know, Christmas, New Year's. Uh, but, yeah, consistently, Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We're here. We rotate the panel. So join us, won't you? Uh, look, how about uh, halfway halfway point, let me ask you guys for another like. Subscribe to the channel. It helps us grow the channel so we can continue bringing content to you all. So like subscribe and then that little bell it'll tell you when we're on live so you never miss the show uh, all right we're going to continue here we got more stuff to discuss here jim miller and andre arlovsky both are set to compete on the first card of the year which is this saturday it's called ufc fight night 234 both pugilists are at the top of the ufc record books in terms of fights and fights won. miller has 42 fights and 25 wins arlovsky has 40 fights and 23 wins. They're fans of each other. We spoke to Miller the other day. He says him and Arlovsky have had discussions who's gonna, you know, run out of gas first or whatever. But the old veterans are still doing their thing. Anyway, with the new year underway, who will have a more memorable 2024? We go back to Fada Hanoon. Start breaking this down for us, Fada. What do you think?
1: I'm gonna go with Jim Miller just because lightweight is a lot more stacked than heavyweight so there's so many options out there for jim miller i mean he even uh, when he did his interview with, with you guys, you guys should check it out. Uh, George and Go's interviewed Jim Miller recently. He he threw out Paddy. I think he mentioned Tony Ferguson. Those are big names. So the, he even mentioned Conor McGregor, I believe. So I think Jim Miller just has more options to have a more exciting 2024. Whereas Arlovski is on a two-fight losing skid. I know he had kind of a career resurgence where he put together that four-fight winning streak before the skid. He returns Saturday but Arlovski has kind of tamed his fighting style as of late, and I do not blame him because this is—he does compete at heavyweight, and and he in that losing skid, most of those losses come by came by knockout. So, uh, or actually, actually those came by decision. But I think throughout his career, he's been stopped. I mean, his last two ones came uh, by stoppage. But uh, with Arlovsky, I think his, him taming his his fighting style and taking on. Uh, not so much the bigger names or the ranked contenders. I think Jim Miller just has a lot more exciting options out there for him, which is why I'd pick him.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. How about you goes? Who do you think is going to
3: have the bigger 2024 Jim Miller or Andre Orlovsky? Yeah, it's kind of a tough one, right? Because you feel like a KO, a bad one would probably stop it for either guy, right? Neither guy is really fighting for any gold anytime soon. So you look at Andre Orlovsky's on a two fight losing streak. I'm pretty sure at this stage of his career, he probably commands a very high salary, right? So he may get pointed more in the direction of retirement sooner than I think like a Jim Miller. Uh, Jim Miller's records actually been pretty successful as of late. And no matter how you look at it, being on 100, 200, 300, that's the ticket right there. That's the selling point. That's what a big accomplishment. Uh, the love that he's going to get from that just alone I think we'll probably carry him in this little mini battle that we've created. But, um, you know, as of right now, Jim Miller said UFC 300 is not going to be his last fight. If he took something bad, a really bad fight, then he said he would probably rethink all that. So I think he will go to the end of the year. And um, with that accomplishment alone, I think he'd probably win that little victory.
1: Mm hmm.
2: And Danny, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue with that. When you're penciled in for UFC 300, uh, that's a pretty tremendous show. But, you know, you got International Fight Week. You got the one coming up in Miami, which is one hell of a card. We'll talk about the addition, the recent addition of that card here in just a second. Arlowski's made his home in South Florida for, like, the last five, ten years. Uh, I always look at, you know, uh, locations like that where maybe someone could – Call the end to their career, I guess, uh, at home or like like Masvidal, what he did, you know, last year. Although supposedly he's back. But what are your thoughts, man? Who do you think in twenty twenty four can shine the brightest?
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I think it's going to be Jim Miller. There just seems to be more fan enthusiasm around him. Um, let's not forget that UFC three hundred spot that he's expected to have after he fights this weekend uh, was kind of brought on by the fans, right? Like they kept teasing it online, 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 and then reporters. Uh, eventually, asked Dana White, and Dana White was like, "Consider it done. We're making it happen." You know, he's fought at 100, 200, and now 300. So it just seems like there's he's more in the far, forefront in fans' memories. Where Arlovski, obviously a former champion, beloved figure, but he just kind of seems to be lingering a little bit more in the background. And I know, and I mean that no, in no disrespect. That's just kind of the, the what I gauge from the fan base at this point. Plus, what Farah mentioned, I think it's an excellent point. You look at the UFC's lightweight division, and there are some good matchups for Jim Miller out there. Patty Pimblet being a huge fight, and competitive-wise, like I think it's a fight that makes sense. Um, there are a few names out there that are big enough and that you know make sense for him skill-wise, for him to fight, for him to elevate his profile. Whereas Orlovsky, I don't really see the same thing in the heavyweight division. I don't think there, I don't think there's clear names that I could be like, oh, this guy's around his skill level, but he's also a huge draw. Like Patty Pimblett, so let's make that fight. I think he's just gonna keep fighting sort of these like uh, outside of the rankings, top twenty heavyweights and, and linger around there for a bit longer. Whereas Jim Miller, I can see him having some some big spots and some big cards. If they return to New York and New Jersey, you know, his home state, I can definitely see him getting like a co-main event spot, say, or or even a main event spot, depending if he's like a solid B side to like a Patty or someone like that. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go with Jim Miller on this one. It's unanimous. I think I agree. UFC 300 is just going to be t- tough to
2: top. I think Arlovsky's is going to need a moment where he uses them hands, them old heavy hands, bring them back, start mm-hmm. someone or two, foam with the mouth, show us the mouthpiece, and then maybe there might be something. The only thing I can see with Arlovsky topping Jim Miller is he fought at UFC 28. Can you believe that, guys? Like in the year 2000, Ar- Arlovsky did. What if he could make it to UC 328, which I think requires another two years and would put him at 46? Not the craziest thing I've ever heard, but you know, he's 44 and he's active, so who knows? I don't don't know. You know, Miller, like I say, just also doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude,
3: there's there's a selfish side of me that wishes I knew when that last fight was because I would really want to take in that Jim Miller walkout. Uh, what Andre Arlovsky and Jim Miller have done for the sport is tremendous. You know, if you go back to, like George mentioned, UFC 28, uh, the rules that were in place at that time are so different than what what's going on today. And for them to do this for as long as they have. I mean, this sport is grueling, not just the fights, but the training for it. You have to give up so much of your life. I really wish we knew going in when it was going to be the last one, because for sure, I'm pouring a beer I'm standing up, I'm giving those two a standing ovation because they are legends in this sport. They'll they'll be missed when they're gone. I hope they do stick around a little bit. It
2: goes good if you do go to that final show and you're getting ready for the walkout, but it's the Beatles. Somebody pays them that money and he doesn't walk out to his normal walkout
3: song. I'm talking about Jim Miller. What would you think then? I'd laugh my ass. I For sure, I think you'd be behind it. Uh, <laughs> but he did say he had his price, right? I, his price was kind of ridiculous. So it wasn't like 100 grand or something like that. Something like that, yeah. He just doesn't. For those that don't know, Jim Miller thinks
2: the Beatles are uh, overhyped. I kindly disagree, but anyway, that's a whole
3: we other. Got to take him to the Beatles one show here in Vegas, George. I think we can at least get him to turn the corner a little bit. Mhm. Yeah, I agree. Fight Science said something nice to see. I could tell he's an OG. He
2: says if Arlovski fought this way from the start of his career, his chin would be much more durable. But would he have become champ? I don't know. Remember him and mm-hmm. Tim Sylvia used to throw down back in the day. And Arlovsky's fought everyone. He's got to be running out of names. Um, it's crazy that he's still active. He continues. Fight mm-hmm. Science also says Jim Miller has that dog in him. Crazy that he's still around. Josh Wallace says the community has a ton of respect for Arlovsky. But like you all are saying, his payout is likely way more than his impact on the card. And we got a couple that are trailing uh you can trail and no problem johan wint says he's on facebook he says ddp all the way for the win for south africa all right all right uh you thanks for tuning in you're you're a little bit behind but noon eastern 9 a.m pacific is when we kick off so join us johan every monday and uh let's continue here with topic number five we got some noise matchups in the lightweight division This type of matchmaking is what I'm talking about, guys. I love, I mean, these caught me out of nowhere. And when I get surprised like that, those are some of the ones I enjoy the best. The first one, Dustin Poirier versus Benoit Saint-Denis at UFC 299. This will be the co-main event, and they've also agreed to go five rounds. The second one, Charles Oliveira versus Armand Sarukian at UFC 300 this fight has been tabbed by UFC President Dana White as a number one contender matchup. The winner will face Islam Makashev in the summer. So Islam Makashev apparently has been nursing an injury, and that's why none of these names, I guess, are title challengers to his title, which that part caught me a little bit of a surprise. But the panel, they are the stars. I'm going to let them unpack this. I just wanted to make sure I was specific about that. So do you guys like this matchup? for the veterans, especially Poyet and
3: Olivier, uh sorry, Oliveira. Goes, lay this out for us. What do you think? I think uh for starters, I think the matchups are absolutely solid. When you when you read them, you get excited. There's just something that kind of got caught me a little off guard about it. Um and that was first off when I read Dustin Poyet, I thought, well, he's kind of had this stance for a very long time that he doesn't want fighters kind of Building names off of him. He, he didn't want those types of matchups. So I was a little shocked when he got that matchup. Now, San don't get me wrong, this guy's an incredible fighter. He's a beast. Uh, it's a great fight. He just doesn't really have that star power attached to it. So that did kind of catch me off guard. But um, That's UFC 299. I want to talk about UFC 300 for a second. That card is supposed to be kind of like our industry's wrestlemania of sorts right you're gonna it's always gonna be solid which i think it's starting to be solid but we get solid cards throughout the year i always thought that these 100 200 300s would have something that kind of catches up, off guard a little bit and i thought because the diaz's name had been attached to Poirier for the last couple of years that maybe that would be something that would slip onto ufc 300 so that did kind of catch me by surprise that it was 299 and that it was that opponent um it, it just caught me off guard but overall i'm um, So stoked for that fight. It's going to be an incredible fight. The Olivera-Surukian fight, same thing. Like, it's a great fight. Ranking-wise, I kind of get why they do it. The only guys ahead are Justin Gagey, which I'd kind of like to at least get an explanation why it's not him. But we know that he's kind of particular. He's not difficult to deal with, but he has his things that he likes to have go his way before a fight, you know, certain amount of time to get ready and all that. So I'd like to have a little clarification on that the but the matchup itself I think is is awesome. It'll be good. I kind of wonder a little bit like what what Gamrot thinks you know he was a backup at one point I forgot about and, him and he just he was a backup like isn't that always supposed to be uh, according to Dana White you're next? I mean, he just gets shoved aside. he's got to win over through right? He is lower in the rankings. he's got one less uh, fight on his streak. but I kind of wondered about that a little bit but overall like how, how do you not like these matchups? They're great. They just caught me off guard a little bit. I'm glad you mentioned
2: him. He does have one less on his streak, but he also beat Saruki and he gave Saruqi his last loss, and he was the alternate. I can't believe I forgot him, but, yeah, you're not the only one wondering, goes, in the chat room, Oatmeal26 says, uh, where does this leave Justin? Uh, I wonder if contract negotiations went sour or what it could have been. Maybe he picked up an injury. I'm speculating. I really don't know. Uh, Danny, what did you think of all these matchups, and where do you think this does leave uh, Justin Gagey?
0: Yeah, that, that, that's the question I feel like, right? You would imagine that Justin Gagey would have fought maybe Charles Oliveira for a number one contender spot, given that, you know, he knocked out Poirier this past July to become the BMF champion. And Oliveira was supposed to fight against Makashif in October as he was, uh, you know, set for that rematch, but he got injured. So you would think that those two were the runner ups, were the front runners for a title shot. Um, so I am surprised that Justin Gage is not in this equation. I do have the same question that our viewer here, uh, poses on the chat. I, I just wonder where these lives and, leaves them because, you know, Dana White has made it pretty clear. Like you, you got to fight. The UFC has a, a schedule a calendar and you got to get on those fights. If not, the division will move on. The bus will leave you behind. And that's what kind of feels like at this point with these fights that are announced. Uh, if you know, if either Saint Denise or or Poirier wins at this point, they would kind of feel like they've surpassed uh, Gagey maybe because it's you know they they would have fresh wins, relevant wins. Not saying that Gagey's Gage's win over Poirier uh, is not relevant, but you know you know what I mean. Like you would just get passed up. The division would just kind of start moving forward. So uh, I'm a little bit surprised and a little bit disappointed to not see Gagey in there because he he deserves to be in a number one contender spot. But maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he just wants to wait it out and, and play his cards. Um, but I would say overall, despite not getting Gagey in there, I, I am happy with these type of matchups. And by, by what I mean by when I say these type of matchups is that we're getting these legacy names such as Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira taking a step down, maybe not in competition, but certainly in profile and fighting the up and comers. And that's the way it should be. For a long time, I feel like in the UFC's lightweight division at the top, We've been getting those legacy names, Poirier, Gagey, Oliveira, just fighting each other, Chandler, just constantly fighting each other, swapping wins and losses, and not really giving a chance to the young guys coming up that are deserving of, of big shots. So I feel like depending on how some, some of the results shake out here, we could see a, a big turn uh, of a page here at the UFC's lightweight division. So we'll see how these things shake out, but we'll props to Dustin Poirier for fighting down in terms of popularity. Props to Charles Oliveira for fighting down in terms of popularity. These things are healthy for the division, and I'm glad to see it.
2: I couldn't have said it better. I applaud both veterans for taking these fights. That's just the way you got to do it. It's the same thing those guys wanted, that chance, mm-hmm. as they were moving up and other veterans gave it to him. It's just, you know, you you pull you go up the ladder, and then you pull some of them up with you. But, yeah, some of the veterans, once they get up there, they're a little resistant. That's, I think, what made me so happy to see some of these matchups. Joey, by the way, in the chats, throwing out Justin versus Turner at UFC 300. I told the chat room, tell me what you think would make uh, UFC 300 nice and fat because a few people like Oatmeal2.6 says 299 is still sexier than 300 at this point. Well, they haven't really finished building 300. I think you might take that one back after they're done. All right, Fada, your thoughts on this, uh, these huge matchups that were announced yesterday by El Presidente, Dana White.
1: Yeah, I am surprised, definitely by Poirier and Benoit Saint-Denis. Just because Poirier, uh, not too long ago, wasn't too interested in the Benil Dariush fight, but I think that was more from a stylistic standpoint. Benoit Saint-Denis is called the god of war. That is his nickname, and he has delivered some absolute bangers as of late. His wins over his finishes over Matt Frivola and Thiago Moises. And I was there in Paris when he fought Moises. He arguably potentially got the loudest pop out of any other French fighter. They absolutely love Benoit Saint-Denis over there. So he has the makings of becoming a big star and just getting a fight against a guy like Dustin Poirier is definitely going to help his profile. I mean, Benoit comes to fight. He's put on some incredible uh, performances and he's got a 100% finish rate. So his rise has been very, very exciting. So I think the stylistic matchup definitely excites Dustin Poirier. And I think it reminds Dustin a little bit of that Dan Hooker fight. If you recall, Dustin Poirier... I mean, Benoit hasn't spoken yet. He hasn't said anything. But if you recall, Dustin was quite upset with some of the stuff that Dan Hooker said. He kind of took it personally. And I know a lot of people like to dub Dustin as a, an emotional fighter, but it seems to work in his favor. When he gets kind of riled up, it's just his competitive nature. he uh, It brings the best out of him. And I think the fact that a lot of people... Uh, I mean, I haven't seen the odds yet, but the fact that just a few people will be doubting him because he's coming off of that knockout loss against Justin Gaethje and because Benoit has looked so great, it's going to fuel him. So I think the stylistic matchup, uh, it's going to bring out that hunger in him. And I think he knows it's going to deliver just the way Benoit, because the way Benoit fought Thiago Moises, he literally fought him in a way like he had zero regard to Moises' skills. And Moises is very talented. He's a well-rounded grappler. Uh, He can stand and strike with you as well. But he completely disregarded everything Moises had to bring to the table, which kind of shocked me the way he just buzzed through him. So he's he's a very exciting fighter. And I think it's going to bring the best out of Dustin Poirier and motivate him. Because at this point of his career, coming off of that loss to Justin, I think he needed that. He needs a stylistic matchup that will motivate him. And he knows that Benoit is kind of a must-win fight for him.
2: Yeah. And he's also an adopted Floridian at American top team for at least 10 years. And this goes down in Miami. Maybe that helps things out for him. I think, you know, you get up there, you start negotiating certain things. You know, OK, I'll fight this guy, but let's do it here. Uh, and with, and I think he's got that kind of juice to maybe make a few demands. Who knows? Interesting what's going on here in the chat room via Facebook or YouTube. Bring them. We'll include them during the show here. Uh, Rogelio Agua says, I think Islam can defend once versus Justin, then fight the winner of that contender fight later in the year. That's what I thought, Rogelio. I thought, uh, somebody else had suggested Justin versus Makashev in Saudi Arabia. And I think it was right before Ramadan started. So I think it would have made sense. But Dana White, when he released these on, on, I think the Instagram, his Instagram, he said that Makashev was hurt. And that he wouldn't be fighting till later in the summer. And he didn't address Justin Gagey. So that's why I was speculating. Did something fall off here with the negotiations? Will Gagey have to take someone else? Somebody's proposing Justin versus Hooker. I'm not sure if if they're kind of on you know level playing fields there, just as he's got that BMF title and he's had that promise. Uh, I am not sure. Father, you want to weigh in?
1: Yeah, it could be the the speculation, or I don't know if Uncle Chael is the first one to to bring it up, but he seems adamant that Justin Gaethje is fighting Max Holloway uh, or defending his BMS title against Max Holloway. So maybe Uncle Chael is indeed undefeated.
2: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm I'm all into that. Uh, big shout out to Don Piccolo in the chat room, Josh Wallace, Mike Dornan. You guys are all doing some great stuff here. I'm seeing the
3: comments and the questions. Keep them coming. Goes, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, can you guys imagine what that war room is like these last couple weeks? Like, think about these two, just these announcements right here, right? Everything that goes into it with UFC 300. You got to imagine every time Dana walks in that room, they say, Is today the finally the day we're going to announce uh, Bilal Muhammad? Like, what he probably gets hit with that. When's Connor coming back? Michael Chandler? Like, that war room has to be, they must come out of there sweating, dude. Just absolutely sweating, throwing up. There's got to be all kinds of stuff going on in there. I, I can't wait for this. Well, year they, they
2: to. said today's their. Oh, sorry, tomorrow's their matchmaking meeting, and they're. I guess they're going to have even more announcements. And with the fact that 297, 298, and 299 are pretty much filled out, I guess their focus can be 300 and the fight nights, of course. Mm-hmm. And there's been some nice matchups made in the past few weeks, but they do seem like they want to isolate 300 and bring it. That's supposed to be the first or second week in March show and in vegas that they've had for the last few years but because that Marcho is going to miami ufc 300 is in las vegas so that's their home base i imagine they want to come strong i think ufc 200 was a little bit of a letdown. i think that's yeah. when we lost jones versus poyer and no disrespect amanda wasn't the big star that she was at the end of her career but it was her versus misha tate in the main event and that's not what they had what they had wanted so i think on this one they want to come really really strong we'll see Uh, Keep them coming in the chat. If we have some time, I will read your matchups. I think someone had said Zhang Li versus uh, Yan. Yan Janan, I believe is how you pronounce it. I'd be into that one too. Uh, She's got a lot of possible opponents, does Zhang Li? So we'll see. And for those that don't know, we asked Brian Butler. He was on our show the other day. And he says Rose is sticking to flyweight. So if anyone's wondering about Rose, because you would think she's got some aces to play up her sleeve. She's beaten the champ twice but she's interested in staying at flyweight for now. So that should come out hopefully this week. I thought I'd address it now since we uh, had it on the tip of our tongue there, the the strawweight division. We move on, though, to our additional here. This one should be fun. In 2024, which champion is the most likely to retain their title? So we've yet to start the events. There's going to be like 42 or something like that in the UFC. I think 13 of them are pay-per-views, and you got fight nights. It's going to be a fun year. We can already tell by these matchups, right? But let's talk about the top, the top of the heap. Who's most likely to retain? And which weight class is the most likely to have a different champion at the end of the year? Then I got a couple other follow-ups for the panel, but we'll start with those two. Danny, you go.
0: Who's most likely to retain? Uh, I'm, I'm splitting this one. I think it's going to be between Islam Akashev and Alex Pereira. Um, I think Islam Akashev... Pound for pound is a way more skilled fighter than Pereira, but he's got a tougher division, right? Uh, there's guys there that are very, very competitive that I can see him giving him a tough fight. The reason why I mention Alex Pereira, even though he might be the most incomplete champion out of all the champions listed um, currently in the UFC, um, is that the division is fairly weak if he gets past Jamal Hill, which I think he should. um, I don't really see that many threats for him at 205. I can definitely see him get log, get logging in another title defense there. So I'm, I'm stuck between those two. I'm going to go with Makashev, but uh, that's a tough one. And who's most likely to lose, right? That's, that's what's next. That's what's Kinda. Next, Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Sean O'Malley. Um, I think he's very skilled. I like him, but I just think the 135 division and, and, if any other contender would be champion, I would say the same thing. The bantamweight division in the UFC is so volatile, so so there's so many contenders, so many top level fighters that I think the belt is gonna change hands uh quite often for a few years. I was actually very surprised that Algerman Sterling got was able to defend it as, as much as he did. But yeah, I don't see him I don't see him finishing out twenty twenty-three with a belt. 2024, yeah, my bad. Sanhagen, Cejudo,
2: Morav, although he wouldn't have to face all three, but those are three killers just yeah. off the top. Um. All right, I like those. Next up is Spada. Who's most likely to retain? Who's most likely to drop by if you want to go by weight class or the, isolate the champion themselves?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna agree with Daniel and go with Islam Makhachev, Just because if we're also not only because of his skill set, and I think he has a skill set to uh, rule the division, but also if you look at what's being dubbed as a number one contender fight, there's two guys that he's already beat. Yes, Tarukian mm-hmm. has made a lot of advancements since their their first fight. It was his debut, I believe, his UFC debut. But um, yeah, I think I would favor Islam against both of those guys. So yeah, I think Islam rules the division, and if. In, ter- in terms of who uh, the title changing hands, maybe middleweight, just because uh, if if I look at the division, there's a lot of guys Strickland hasn't fought yet. Uh, he's booked against DDP. He hasn't fought Whitaker yet. He's lost to Canadair. Uh He's had, um, so yeah, I, I think with Hamza Shumayev as well uh, on the horizon, I think middleweight uh, is probably the division that we see the title change hands.
2: All right, goes... Uh, How about you? What are your two choices for this year?
3: I agree with Islam uh, for all the the reasons that my colleagues here have pointed out. Uh, As far as who's more likely to lose, it's funny. Like, the way Danny laid it out, it really isn't anything against Sean O'Malley. Like, it could whoever's at the top of that division doesn't really matter because there's so many killers in it. But I'm going to stay away from that one. I think I'm going to do women's flyweight. Uh, You got Shevchenko. You got Blanchfield. You got Mano. Uh, that's a lot that's a lot to go through so i probably have to go there but uh, i also do like bantamweight mm-hmm. you know guys can i give you all a yellow card no one said Wei Li. you guys don't think she's the destroyer
2: that i think she did i just gave you guys a little scooby snack when Swallow, i told you that yeah. her manager brian yeah. butler's yeah. her only achilles that's heel that. is not coming back to strawweight she's staying at flyweight no love for genre? War is it's tough, dude. You don't know what's gonna happen there. Ooh, that's true. That's true. All right. Um. And then, as far as the, I think the one that's gonna have a lot of rotation, someone's gonna win, obviously, out of um, Myra
3: oh, Bueno. Wait a minute. Go to VAR. Do we get the yellow card taken away, or are we still?
0: <laughs>
3: uh, you know
0: yeah, what Suarez,
2: Suarez is a formidable uh, fighter so I, I'll, I'll take away the yellow card I was wrong mm-hmm. I humbly apologize to the panel um, but all right and then the other one was Myra Buenos Silva and Raquel Pennington whoever wins that fight I don't think finishes the year as champ because I think you got killers in Ketlin Vera I think you got Irene Aldana look greater in the last fight and then I don't want to spoil but Something could happen. You never know. Someone could come back. I don't I don't want to spoil it, but I think that would be the one where there might be a little bit of rotation. Man, I forgot about Tatiana Suarez. Imagine walking in extreme if she hears about this. <laughs> All right. Um, now, I got two follow-ups for you guys. Who's most likely to take the next step and become a star? And who's most likely to come out of retirement? Danny, we go back to you in
0: Miami. Star, I think there's uh, one clear, easy pick in this one. And I'm going to go Iliatopuria. The, the guy's just been generating killer views on the Spanish language content that I've been producing. Um, and I think on the English, we can still see there's a lot of interest, but I, I, I think the fan base, at least uh, the English speaking one, has yet to fully understand who he is and what he's about and, and how good he is. Uh, but they're going to come around at some point. Plus, I mean, just the fact that UFC's already thinking about going to Spain just because this one guy, Uh, that speaks volumes to the metrics that they have accessed and and, and the potential that they see in him. He's got all the confidence in the world. He's well-spoken. He's uh, from a country that's not historically historically very strong uh, in MMA. So, you know, there's that, a brand-new market. The UFC's pushing him. Um, He's fighting Volkanovski, who's, you know, super respected and a big name, and he's catching him at the perfect moment. You know, coming off a knockout loss, 35 years old. I think everything is setting up for 2024 to be Ilya topuria's year so not only is he going to be a star but i will say this by the end of 2024 he's going to be the fighter of the year that's my prediction so uh ilia topuria is, is on his way to big things and as far as who's going to be coming out of retirement this is an easy one so many fighters do it but i'm going to go with uh the the easy pickings here and i'm going to go hold him as BL. i mean he did say it on twitter right on retired but it's yet to be official <laughs> Man, he he's still good. Uh, we saw him against Gilbert Burns sure. He's not prime anymore, but he's clearly not at a Tony Ferguson level. You know, he's clearly not washed. I would dare to say he's among the top 20 welterweights easily. I feel pretty confident saying that and welterweight is a pretty stacked division. I think there are good fights for him, McGregor, Diaz, Leon Edwards if he loses. There are some big fights for him and I think he he left some money on the table when he retired. Sure, he's not as good as he once was, but He's still good enough to put on some exciting fights and, and headline some pay-per-views. So I'm going to go with Masvidal on this one. I love how Danny subtly
2: said, I think, Topori is going to beat Volkanovski. He didn't say it, actually, but he implied it
0: because how's the other guy going to become a star? Are you making that prediction right now, Danny Segura? I'm making that prediction right now. Um, he's undefeated. He's looking great. Uh, look, if you're going to fight Volkanovski and have a good chance or have a chance at any point and, and actually beat him at featherweight, it'd be now, right? Uh, he is 35. He didn't have a great 2023. Keeping in mind, he went one in two, losing a decision and then getting knocked out. We saw what a knockout loss can do to a, a fighter already in his mid to late 30s. We've seen it with Kamaru Usman. We've seen it with Tony Ferguson. I'm not, I don't expect it. an extremely washed Volkanovski, not at all. But I do think his prime is coming to an end if it didn't already. Um, he even said it after the knockout loss to Volkanovsky. He knows his days are numbered at the top, and that's probably one of the reasons why he wanted to fight so often because he knows whatever he's got now, this very special talent, it's very fight night, and it's going to last very little. And I think by the time Ilya Topuria gets his hands on him, I, you know, he's got the power, he's got the boxing. Again, it all it's all panning out to be uh, the fight for Ilya Topuria. So, yeah, I think he's going to beat him. There's going to be a ch- uh, change in hands in the title
2: there. If Taporia wins, I shave my head.
0: If Volkanovski wins, you shave her mustache. Man, what what's what's with you in and, and, and me getting my <laughs> get get getting rid of my mustache? When when's that fight? Because I know it's dear to you, so I want to hurt February you by white. winning the 17. Bet. Uh let me think about it. Let me think about it. I'll see you in another SBC episode. Um, because there's high stakes there okay all right think about it this is stronger than than it's ever been so <laughs> leave me out of this one guys leave me all out right
2: Fada, Fada. how about you um uh, we got to make it quick here we're already on overtime who um is going to be the breakout star or the big star and who retires
1: I think Teporia is a great pick by, by Danny, he even changed his bio, did you guys see that? USC world champion, 15-0, Brought Cer- mm. Sergio Ramos came to, to his fight, so definitely a great pick, but I'm going to go uh, Shafkat Rachmanov, uh, he doesn't necessarily have the mic skills, or doesn't really talk at all, but 100% finishing great, uh, even, you know, he said he came in injured against Wonderboy, still managed to get the finish, he has a lot of potential, he's got a great fan base, uh, and I think, uh, you know, he, if, if he becomes world champion, sky's the limit for him.
2: Mm-hmm. Who comes out of retirement? I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I didn't say that one. Sorry. My oh. bad. In terms of who comes out of retirement, I say Amanda Nunes. I think after she watches mm. USC 297, no disrespect to either lady. I think that's going to want her to make her want to come back.
2: Mm-hmm. And that was the tease. Yeah, she could come back, man. That
3: 35 division could be wide open if she comes back. Goes clean up. I love those two picks. I feel like the, if you're looking at the peephole, I think they're already at the door, ready to come through. My guy's kind of getting off the elevator. I'm going to go with Amir Albazi. I think he's super charismatic. I think he's a very entertaining fighter. Um, so he's going to be my pick to possibly take that next jump. And as far as retirement, Fedor Emelianenko is going to find a way to fight something, someone. I think it'll happen in 2024. Mm hmm. All right, folks, there
2: you have it. Some great stuff from the panel. You can catch us every Monday, noon, Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I see you guys clowning on the fact that I don't have much hair. Man, you're lucky we're running out of time. Otherwise, I'd be hitting some profiles and seeing what you all are all about. (laughs) But I'll just have to take the L on that one. Uh, Anyways, yeah, every Monday, noon, Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. On the way out, hit that like. Hit the subscribe. I promise you, this channel is blowing up. It's incredible. There's a lot of great content here. And hit the alert button. It'll tell you when we're on live. We'll see you next week. For another edition of Spinning Back, click, go out and be a champion.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where
2: Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast